Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. Knocks it down. Ground. Here goes Okoro to the bucket. And oh, my. Okoro throws it down. Ten seconds to go. Here comes Colin Sexton. Sexton chased by Hill. Off to Stevens. Oh, my. 45 ticks to go. That shot is blocked by Nance. Get that big stuff out of here. Prince knocks down that Harden pass. Garland's there. Garland upstairs for Allen. Oh, look out. There you go. That's called team ball right there. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock. Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. Hey, Chris Manning here from Lockdown Cavs. Joined today by Ben Beacon. He is the host of Locked on Wolves. We're going to talk about Ricky Rubio. Ben, I'm how great. are you? How are you doing? I, by the way, this I, I should start by saying this, and I'm not ashamed to say this. This is Ricky Rubio is one of my favorite topics. And also, I think I, I can speak for many Timberwolves fans to say that he is, he is a uh, uh, always a beloved topic for Timberwolves fans. No, so that's that's like good to hear. And I, I get the sense of that. Like, there's some members of Wolves Twitter that I know were very uh, sad to see him go. I I came to really do a lot of reading on the the mentorship he had of Anthony Edwards, um, and just kind of what that was last year. But he he seems like just. I, I mean, without being like maybe obviously KG good or you know cat right. level talent or quality or whatever. He seems beloved by, by people yeah. in Minnesota. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say that that starts, you know, not to, well, I guess we are going to go all the way back to, you know, when he was drafted, uh, he was, he was drafted as everyone knows one pick before Seth Curry, David Kahn hitched his wagon to Ricky Rubio and you know, the national media, the, the Bill Simmons is, you know, what did Bill Simmons say? He would drive from Los Angeles to, to Minneapolis with uh Timberwolves Rubio Jersey. If he ever came and played in Minnesota. So it was it, part of it goes back to, and you probably, you probably get this, uh, you know, covering a, a team from Cleveland, but there's a little bit of a, of an upper Midwest kind of like, Hey, nobody believes in us. You know, we love our own type of a thing. So the fact that Rubio actually came over and, and that was number one, right? So everybody was like, okay, this guy loves us. We love him. He grew to love the city. Um, and this is now I'm given just a Timberwolves history lesson. So I'll, I'll make this brief, but it all stems from this really. Um, <laughs> I mean, year one Ru- Rubio's rookie year, I, I guess, I think it was the lockout year. Um, and he, you know, the wolves were above 500 after the all-star break. Kevin loves an all-star, uh, they're, they're above 500 in the eight spot in the West. They're playing the Lakers. I think it's a primetime game on a Friday night. Rubio tears his ACL and the following fall is infamous knuckle pushups with Kevin love. The team's never the same. Um, Adelman rides off into the sunset two years later. And Ricky Rubio was like this brief blip of hope. Could he be the next Pete Maravich? Could he? And we all know, I mean, he's not that, right? But it it was the idea that he could be. It was the last, you know, time the Wolves sniffed the playoffs before the one Jimmy Butler year. So it all comes from that in in my mind. Well, it's funny that like him and Kevin Love, at least for now, are like on the same team again. I don't know if it's going to last more than like two weeks. Like, I don't, I don't really know if like Kevin and Ricky are, we're going to take a classic Kevin Ricky like pick and pop yeah. or some nonsense. But um yeah, it's just interesting. I guess I, I guess it's just like I agree with like there's that Midwest vibe. There is that like attachment to a guy who embraces your your city. Um I, I what it, what is Rubio? What was Rubio like last year? Because I found myself down a rabbit hole after mm-hmm. this trade. 
reading some of the John John Krasinski I found like has a had a really good rapport yeah. with Rubio, which I love when like a, a longtime B guy gets yeah. that rapport with a guy. Like that's one of my favorite things. It's very hard to do, and it's becoming even harder and more rare now. So like cherish it. Uh, this is, makes me sound like I'm about <laughs> ninety years old, but whatever. Um, the, I found him to be so honest about what it was like, and I didn't. It's not that I felt like he was like dissatisfied with being in Minnesota or being back there. Um, certainly, like he's jumped around teams a little bit of late at this point in his career for whatever reason, from you know Chris Paul to Mike Con, like getting replaced by Conley yeah. and then Paul, and then whatever you know the Wolves are sort of doing the summer in terms of of trading him. Um, I find it just very interesting how honest he was about just he's like basically just like the TLDR of it is just I I want to compete, I want to yeah. be competitive, I want to be in an environment that is not rebuilding. And I, I guess like what does, is that overall the actual reflection of sort of what last year was like for him? And, and as a side, like what was his quality of play? like? Yes. I, I would, I would say yes to the first question. I, I think he, he was excited, you know, to come back to Minnesota when the team started to know it felt like it was old times and then the injuries and everything happened and the wolves were like two and nine pretty quickly. Um, and, and there certainly was this sense of he was, he was not happy he was not happy Ricky Rubio. He very clearly, and this, when he was traded on draft night in November, which still seems weird to say, he, um, he, the, the John Krasinski reported on this, that basically he found out he was going to Oklahoma city and, but they, he, that probably wouldn't be the final destination. He was already disappointed because, I mean, he signed a three-year, a pretty big deal over $50 million to be in Phoenix and they went eight, no in the bubble. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs, but they were up and coming. He had a great relationship with Devin Booker. He had uh, his best offensive season of his career without without question in Phoenix. So he th- he thought he was a part of this rising Suns group, right? And then he gets traded. His agent and and Gerson Rosas, uh, assuming Gerson Rosas also sold him on, hey, you can come to Minnesota. We plan to be a playoff team this year. And honestly, I, and I'll I'll continue to, to say this, I think the Wolves would have been at the very least a play-in team had they not had the Towns injury on top of the Russell injury mm-hmm. on top of the Beasley injury and suspension and all that stuff. Um, but it just wasn't what he expected. And Ryan Saunders was in over his head a little bit as head coach. And there were some, you know, again, the injuries, he barely got to play with Towns early in the season. Um, Rubio himself was not in shape and he admitted that. Um, and he was by far from the, by far not the only guy in the league who was out of shape with the sudden start to the season, the, the, slow or the quick ramp up the short training camp, the short preseason, but Rubio was not Rubio until after the all-star break. And, and I would say as somebody who watched probably 97 to 99% of his games in Minnesota over the seven seasons he spent with the wolves, um, the first half of last season was the worst he's ever played. Um, he was not good the first half of last season, but after the all-star break, once they, you know, Chris Finch was head coach, they fixed their rotation. Towns was healthy. Russell was healthy. Rubio and Russell actually figured out how to play together a little bit, which was, was what obviously what Rosas had in mind when he acquired him. And he had a solid finish to the season. I mean, he looked comfortable, um, both coming off the bench and starting. He did both last year. And I don't think this is Rubio turned 30 and all of a sudden he's, you know, can't shoot again and he's getting older. I think it was just, he was out of shape and didn't know his role. And I mean, we all saw him drop 38 points. I don't think, I don't think Cavs, you know, Cavs fans, I don't think you're getting 38 point a game, Ricky Rubio, like he dropped against. You mean yeah. I'm not, well, I, 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 I think people have seen like the right. Spanish national team highlights and they're like, hell yeah, brother. And I'm like, guys, yes. like, let's chill. 
Let's, let's right. just relax. Like let's let's take a step back. Yeah, here. you're you're not getting that Ricky Rubio, uh, in the, and that's well documented. Why you know style of play, also the confidence he gets playing in Spain. He's also the best player on that team at this point with older Gasol brothers and everybody else older as well. Um, so you know they look to him to score, and and that's never been and never going to be his role in the NBA. But the the back half of last year, he was legitimately good, um, and he was finding his three point stroke. He had his legs underneath him, um, and. The best thing he does is defense, and maybe we'll get more into that here in a minute, but uh, he struggled defensively the first part of last year. He couldn't stay in front of anybody, and by the end of the year, he was a plus defender again. So that that's well, let's get into that. So what was his what was his sort of defense? I find uh, I've seen varying takes on like whether it was good, whether it was bad, like his steals, you know, I think his steals the last couple of years have fallen from like at least per game, like from where they were, it's sort of like in his mid twenties. He's obviously at thirty, um, about will be thirty one um, around the, mm-hmm. the start of the regular season. Like I think a couple of days after when like opening night is. If I'm if I'm looking at his birthday and remembering yeah. that date correctly, obviously last year. I think last year is just so weird. I have a hard time like ba- basing last year as like a real thing for a lot of players. It's just so condensed, so bizarre. Um, I'm sure like he had. I did he like leave the country? Yeah. Before like and come back, so like that's a whole that's a whole thing. Like Spain obviously had a very mm-hmm. not that the U.S. is like any better off, but Spain had like a very rough battle. Yeah. like I'm sure last year was like very bizarre for it, him. It was, and he actually did. He contracted. He had COVID nineteen last summer uh, during the off season. Okay, yeah, so go. that was you know this is projected a little bit, but there was some assumption that that could have had to do with being out of shape at the start of the season. You know, there's varying reports on getting your lungs back, etc. Um, and obviously, everyone's workout routine was different. He was part of the bubble, but then he didn't play until he showed up in training camp, you know, on very short notice in in the winter. Um, I will say his defense was poor at the beginning of last year. He was still a good team defender. And while his steals per game have gone down a little bit, um, he he was actually sixth in the league in steal rate last year. Um, So he was, you know, just ahead of Kent Bazemore, Drew Holiday and Draymond Green and just behind LaMelo Ball and Jimmy Butler. Um, So he even when he was a little out of shape and struggled early in the season. And, and part of the reason the per game is down is I believe his minutes per game were down as well a little bit last year. Cause he started the year as the backup to D'Angelo Russell. Um, I mean, he, he can still defend. Um, and it obviously quicker guards give him some, some problems, but he is the one guy and, and maybe it's magnified when he's playing on a team with D'Angelo Russell, but, and Malik Beasley, but he fights through screens. He fights to get over screens. Um, he's, he's still very good in transition. He can still gamble and get a steal, but he doesn't gamble too much. Um, and he's got length. He's six foot four. He's, he's, uh, you know, still moderately athletic. His lateral quickness is good enough to stay in front of most guards. So you're going to get a guy who defends the pick and roll. Well, he's still an above average defender. Um, he's a fantastic team defender. He's not a lockdown defender, and I, I don't think I don't think he's ever really been that. But he's going to make your defense better. And it, I mean, Cleveland's backcourt is young and struggles defensively, just like the Timberwolves. And uh, Ricky Rubio is going to going to bring a level of defense and professionalism on the defensive end of the floor to that team. Let's take a quick break here, and uh, we'll, I want to go back to the D'Lo of it all because I find that sort of like an interesting comparison to some degree at the very least. But first, got to tell everyone about our friends at rockauto.com. Rock Auto is obviously family-owned. It's your online auto parts option. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? That's, that's one example. And wait until the person behind the counter orders parts from their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers in your home, in your pocket, 
maybe on your iPad, that have access to rockauto.com can save you money. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same part from a chain store or dealership? For example, if you're a Honda Odyssey owner and your fuel pump's busted, that's $350 from, a, a, from your average chain store. It's only $216 at Rock Auto. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we're back with Ben from Locked on Wolves. Ben, so what? I guess like I'm wondering about the deal overall. Deal, obviously, uh, another offensive-minded young guard. The, he will, I, you know, I would assume, I, th I think when I project out Ruby on this Cavs roster, I think of him as a guy that's probably going to play most with Colin Sexton more so than he is going to play with um, Darius Carlin. I think just the, the passing he provides with Sexton just makes a lot of sense to me on paper. But regardless of who he's going to play with, he's going to play with a, a, a younger guard who's had, who have had defensive issues in the NBA. Um, I, I don't know, you know, maybe there's D'Lo is a pretty bad defender in my estimation. You can tell me if I'm, I'm misreading that at all, but I, I look at what's going on here and I, that gives me a little bit of pause. If you're me and I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, is Rubio going to be maximized in Cleveland? Is the, we're going to get a really good version of Rubio. Is the, the him playing with a smaller guard aspect of this all a concern for you if that's a way Cleveland is maybe going to deploy him as, as the backup point guard on this team? I don't think it's a concern. Um, I thought so early in the season, his minutes with D'Angelo Russell were were really bad. So if you look at the two man lineups, the two of them together last year overall were, were poor. I don't remember what the number is off the top of my head, but it was bad. But most of that was early in the season. I think it was more uh, a matter of getting used to each other and how I mean, there were even some go back and look. I'd have to I could probably figure out which game it was, but it was fairly early in the season, shortly after Towns. Uh, got injured. And I think it might've been the Clippers game when they got beat by like 25, uh, like game four or five of the season. And after the game, Rubio kind of maybe not so, wasn't so veiled when he talked about guys trying to do stuff on their own. And it was more of an issue offensively with Rubio being used to the guy initiating the offense, or at the very least, you know, in Phoenix, he played the role of, and this is shifting from your question a little bit, but he played he played the role with Devin Booker, right, of mostly initiating offense, taking some of that off Booker's shoulders. And the idea was he could do that for Anthony Edwards in Minnesota. But early in the season, Edwards was coming off the bench. This was Rubio and Russell down the stretch of games. Um, and I think the issue is more offensively. Rubio didn't like how, you know, D'Lo is, I mean, there were a couple games where literally eight possessions in a row, there was there was one game last year, D'Angelo Russell shot the ball on eight straight possessions or seven of eight without passing the ball once. Um, and Rubio was, was not afraid to, to talk about how that, you know, he didn't call him out by name in the media, but it was obvious what he was talking about. And I, I think, I think offensively that could be more of a challenge for him is trying to, to bring the young players along and saying like, Hey, this is, this is how we need to play within the confines of the offense. Now, some of that can be put on the shoulders of Ryan Saunders. Um, I think that's fair. I also think D'Lo got better as the season went on and they figured out the offense defensively. That's not really a concern for me. Um, as long as you're getting effort from the other guys. Um, and that's been the issue with D'Angelo Russell is he doesn't, I mean, not only is he can't, can he not stay in front of guys, he doesn't really try to fight through screens. He's not really communicating defensively. And if, if Rubio, that's what Rubio appreciated about Anthony Edwards, pretty obviously, is that 
Ant cares. And not, I'm not saying D'Angelo Russell doesn't, but even defensively, at times, Edwards would have rookie lapses. But, um, you know, he was trying to be in the right spot and, and he and all that stuff. And, and Rubio, I think, will enjoy that piece of it. He, he clearly enjoyed taking Ant under his wing la- last year. Um, and I think he'll do that with with Garland and Sexton and, and whoever ends up in Cleveland's backcourt this year. Uh, so I, I think offensively, it could be more challenging, um, especially if Rubio shoots the ball like he did last season and not like he did two years ago in Phoenix. If he's shooting the ball better, then, you know, you can play him off the ball a little bit and, and it's not it's not going to hurt your offense too much. So let's. Do, I want to hit on the Ant thing for a second. Um, do you think that is something he, like in Cleveland with Garland, assuming they're receptive too, but just, just like let's just assume that he's going to be, like let's assume they are. With with a younger team, with Evan Mobley entering, like Jared Allen's still pretty young, um, Isaac Okoro, Garland, Sexton, Dylan Windler, obviously. Like you have some kind of younger guys around. Is that a role in terms of being that like veteran voice? Is that something you think he's willing to engage in uh, in a situation like this? Like, is the Anthony Edwards thing, I guess, like a sign of like what he is interested in doing, at least from from the outside looking? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I brought a Booker. You could go back two two slash three years ago with Donovan Mitchell. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's talked since then about about how much he loves Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker has maybe been less vocal about it, but clearly Booker started his true breakout from just, you know, offensive volume score to true superstar last season. And Rubio was part of that and, and taking some of the weight off those guys' shoulders. And ultimately both teams upgraded because they needed a guy who could shoot and play a little better off the ball. But the mentorship part, I think a lot, I think a lot of times it can be overstated, certainly. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a fun kind of fuzzy, warm feeling for media to talk about it. But I, Rubio takes it to heart and he genuinely cares. And I would say, you know, it, I think number one, what he's going to bring is he's going to, he's going to defend and he's going to try defensively. Number two is, is the overall attitude of, of he really cares. And that's, that seems silly, but, but it's true. And, and if you want him to mentor young players, he's going to do that. He's going to, you know, uh, do that on the court. He's going to literally put his arm around a guy and, and, you know, coach him up on the court. He's going to do it behind the scenes. Um, and he, he walks the walk by playing hard all the time as well. Um, and, and so I think he'll embrace that. Now, the question is, is he going to be psyched about a team that, you know, in Cleveland can say they're going to try and make the playoffs and who knows in the East? I mean, I, I think, I think, by the way, I think Rubio is going to be an awesome fit with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Um, but he's not going to be psyched about joining another team that was a, a bottom of the league team last year, but he will still embrace the role of mentor. And I think that that's going to go a long ways for, for the Cavs. Yeah, that's. I think that's what you're hoping. I think you're hoping that, like, if you can't sell him on stuff, um, I want to say he has a relationship with JB Bickerstaff as well. Yeah, I might be misremembering. I think they like there. There's some overlap there. Yeah, maybe was he might have been. I mean, I know him and Kevin. I want to say him and Kevin knew each other from mm-hmm. Minnesota. JB and so maybe maybe yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. Like, I, I probably should have looked. You know, this is why like you should like look, take notes, and like remind yeah. yourself of what you want to talk about. But I, I'm I think there was that. a very brief um, overlap. At the beginning of Bickerstaff's, and I'm actually I'm trying to see if I can find it real quick, but uh, yeah, I'm Google, I'm, go- I'm yeah. googling it. So as Bickerstaff well, yes. uh, was on the on the Timberwolves staff for a few years, but I believe he may have left right before Rubio got there. I think he might have been on McHale's staff and then left after McHale went to Houston, um, mm. and so that's why he would he would have had maybe two years with Love before Rubio got there, maybe three years. Yeah, I think Bickerstaff was gone by the time Rubio got there, but. Um, Obviously, the Kevin Love thing. I mean, who knows? Again, who knows what happens? But, uh, but that would be that. I think be difficult for Timberwolves fans. At the same time, 
nostalgic. I don't know. It, it'll be, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about it, I guess, in case you can't tell. Uh, I think, you know, well, I think Cavs and Wolves fans, really, we really need like a nice Midwest yeah. alliance, you know, like let's, uh, let's just kind of like, you know, put the, this like small market energy t- together a little bit. Let's end on this, Ben. Um, who do you think, who do you think is going to be happier when this, with this trade six months from now? I think it all depends on the next, uh, most likely the Cavs to answer your question. I think it all depends okay. on the next week to two weeks. If the Timberwolves, the, the trade for the Wolves quickly is all about gaining a little bit more cap flexibility with the possibility of pulling off okay. a big trade. They can't pull off a big trade if Torian Prince and a little bit of cap space to keep Jared Vanderbilt and Jordan McLaughlin is the move, um, then the caps hundred percent, um, in a vacuum, I, okay. I, I think Rubio is the better player and, uh, the wolves are going to have a challenge balancing the roster. I think if they can't make a big move. I'm fascinated by, I think Cleveland just like went out and addressed the need. The Wolves, I, I think Prince is actually, like, fine. Yeah. Like, I, I know he's not, like, he's not going to, like, make anyone, like, super pumped. And he's, you know, even though, like, he, he saves you a little bit of money, like, he's still, like, a $15 million player. And I don't know if he's exactly, like, I would pay him, like, $15 million if I got to negotiate his right. contract right now, right? But it's, it is interesting that the, I, I guess, like, I wonder if, like, I guess maybe, like, I wonder if there was, like, why, like, they did, they chose not to run it back mm-hmm. in some ways. And I, that kind of intrigues me. And Rubio being 30 is, like, I, th- I think if you're, like, ever worried that there's going to be a decline, he's 30. Like, if that's ever going to happen, like, this is kind of the range of what happened. But we've seen the older, you know, not necessarily, like, quote unquote, small, but, like, they're not, like, they're taller than average people, but, like, six footish, six, a little above six foot point guards do tend to slow down a little mm-hmm. bit. Rubio, like, would you think this if it's going to happen? Like maybe it happens here. I don't know. I'm fascinated by this. I think Cleveland like did kind of. Uh, I think they clearly just like read the backup point guard market and were like, yeah, we'd rather try to get Ricky Rubio. I guess it came, this came out yeah, of nowhere yeah. too. I don't know if you felt like Rubio is going to be traded, but like him being on the Cavs radar kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I thought he was going to get traded, but I I thought it was likely he was going to be traded. I did not think it was going to be on draft day. I thought it was going to be as part of a larger deal. Like there were all these pie in the sky, like, Oh, he'd be the salary as part of a three team deal to get Ben Simmons or whoever, um, you know, sign and trade for John Collins, these things that were always unlikely to happen. But I thought that if he wasn't included in a big trade, it was pretty unlikely they were just going to move him to save a little bit of cap space. Um, especially if they then can't pull up. Cause that's the other thing is like now they can't aggregate Prince's deal either because they, they put it through an under the last league year. And so they can't trade Prince unless it's a one for one. Um, and, so now you're basically, if you're going to make a big deal, your only contracts to trade are Malik Beasley. And, uh, I, I mean, I guess Jarrett Culver, if anybody wants Jarrett Culver and that's basically it. Um, so it's going to be a challenge unless you're trading D'Angelo Russell, obviously, which I don't think they'll do unless maybe it's for Ben Simmons. Yeah. Can you, can, well, can you trade like cats like bud, you know? Sorry, say that again. Can you, can you like trade Carlin to the oh, like yeah, buddy? Um, no, I don't think they're going to. Um, I My guess is that, that is, the other piece of it is, I think the only way they trade him is if it's for Ben Simmons caliber player, basically top 20 player or I guess top 20 player. But then, I mean, does Daryl Morey want a max contract D'Angelo Russell? I don't know. I think he likes D'Angelo Russell. I don't think that that's the move for Daryl Morey unless he's getting a bunch of first round picks. And I think that's the only way Delo's traded. So I, I don't think that's likely, uh, but that's also the only way the Wolves are going to pull off a big trade this summer. And uh, so all that to say, that's part of the reason I was surprised Rubio was traded so quickly because they kind of boxed themselves in a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Um, can't wait to, can't believe the NBA season is going to be back in like, yeah. like a month. It's nuts. Um, 
Ben, tell everyone about what you're talking about on Locked on Wolves in case they want to, you know, I guess maybe we have some like Torian to Prince fans or something, but like if they want to follow and get to that Midwest. Yeah, energy absolutely. Uh, so obviously Summer League starts this weekend, which always for Timberwolves fans is is exciting. Although this year there's no draft picks, but Jalen Noel's playing, Jared Vanderbilt's playing, um, Jade McDaniels is, or I guess Vanderbilt's not playing because he's a restricted free agent, but uh, uh, Jade McDaniels is playing, which will be exciting. So going to talk a lot of Summer League. Those games start this weekend, um, obviously the the finish of the Olympics, and then we get into... Um, hopefully hopefully trade season um in the next couple of weeks so that'll be that'll be key you can subscribe to lockdown wolves anywhere you know wherever you're subscribed to lockdown cabs you can find lockdown wolves yeah go do that support the whole network um all right coming up here now uh in case you missed some of our tweets about it um from myself or evan here is the meat availability from jj outlaw the Cavs head coach for summer league um, and that's coming up here after the break. But first, real quick, just got to tell you about our friends at BetOnline, the official betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. You can bet on Summer League now, which is crazy, but you can bet on Summer League. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your, all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and other UFC slash MMA action. Before that next pitch or the opening tip in Summer League, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and the promo code is locked on. Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com. What's up, JJ? Hey, Chris. How are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. Whether it be this camp or summer league in general, like, what are you hoping to get out of it with the guys? Uh, we're really just looking for growth and development. Um, one of the things that I express to the guys is that, you know, the one thing that we all have in common in this camp uh, is that we're all looking for uh, an opportunity and to take advantage of an opportunity. So uh, the players' growth, their development, um, whatever they can take from it, our terminology, um, our scheme. Uh, but we really just just want them to have an opportunity to get out on the floor um, and, and so they can, they can shine in their best light. For Evan specifically, being the third overall pick, um, mm -hmm. obviously a lot of eyes are going to be on him. What would be successful for him to accomplish over the next two weeks or so? Uh, just getting acclimated to what we do uh, schematically, right? Um, you know, he's going to be... Uh, obviously a, an unbelievable weapon for us. He's incredibly talented um, playing the four, the five. Uh, so, you know, the terminology, his spacing on the floor, um, if he comes out of this with a, with a better understanding and more confidence in what we're doing, um, you know, going into training camp, I think that's a win for us. Thanks, man. Thank you. Kelsey. Kelsey Russo, The Athletic. Hey, JJ, how are you? Hey, Kelsey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Kind of going off of Chris's last question, um, having Evan and Isaac, obviously there as well. What do you see as most beneficial in that aspect of them, like being able to play with each other again in this capacity and kind of just heading into training camp and in the season? 
uh, just getting a feel uh, for one another. Uh, I think their uh, success in summer league are going to be a little bit different or measured differently. Um, like I said, for, for Evan, it's going to be uh, the terminology and, and, and where he is on the floor, his spacing um, relative not only to, to uh, what we're doing, but just in the NBA is going to be a little bit different than what he faced in college. And then for Isaac, uh, you know, unfortunately, he didn't have the opportunity to play a summer league um, last year. And so for him, um, you know, he's he's played a whole season in the NBA, uh, albeit a bit shortened, but he's played a whole season in the NBA. So for him, his success is going to be, um, you know, coming out, competing, um, you know, handling the ball a little bit more, taking on more of a leadership and a playmaking role. Um, and, and if he's more confident and feels better in that uh, going into training camp, then, then that's a win and that's a success for him. But obviously for the games that they play together, um, just their camaraderie on the floor and, and getting a feel for, for one another's games. And I know it's obviously only been a couple of days of practice so far, but how have those practices been um, just kind of getting acclimated with the guys and, and them sort of kind of getting back in this routine? And, and what excites you about um, this group that you guys are bringing to Summer League? Uh, practice has been good. Uh, obviously, we've, we've thrown a lot at the guys, um, and I think they've picked it up well. They've competed. Uh, they've given us everything um, that we've asked for. Uh, so practices have been going well, um, you know. For us, uh, we just want to see the guys work hard. We just want to see them compete. Um, you know, summer league situations are always uh, awesome for me because uh, everybody is eager to be here. Everybody is uh, eager to be coached, and everybody has a lot of questions. Uh, I certainly don't mind talking, so the more questions they have, the better for me. Thank you. Marla, go ahead. Marla Ridenauer, Akron Beacon Journal. Good to see you, JJ. Um, just, I don't know if there's, I was just wondering if there's anything that struck you about Evan just in the couple practices that maybe you didn't know, or I don't know, that it was reinforced that kind of, you know, impressed you? Uh, hi, Marla. Yeah, he's uh, one thing that, that that struck me from, from Evan in practice and, and meeting him for the first time is that uh, he is a legitimate seven feet. So um, that's awesome for us. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's extremely eager um, to learn. Uh, he's a student of the game. He picks up things quickly. Um, so, you know, just having him around, uh, obviously, in the short period of time uh, between the draft and summer league was 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 awesome. Um, but, you know, he picks up things quickly. He's a he's a quick learner um, and he's always willing to work. And I think that's that's showing in our practices and, and, and obviously rubbing off um, on the rest of the guys here. And because you might use them at the four and during the season, would you lean towards maybe doing that more this summer? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, um, this is about growth and it's about opportunity. And for him, it's a bit, it's a bit more about just learning. And so, yeah, he'll play uh, some four um, in, in, in summer league uh, as well as some five. And again, just getting him acclimated so that he's comfortable uh, going into training camp, or at least, like I said, a little bit more confident in uh, what the NBA, the spacing is about uh, than he is right now. So uh, any learning curve that we can, uh, accelerate uh, and get him comfortable with in this time period uh, will be great for him um, going into training camp. Thank you. Thank you. Chris Manning. Nope. I can't hear you, Chris. Can't I'm you, Chris. sorry. We'll come back to you. Evan, go ahead. We'll come back to Chris. 
Evan Damerell, SB Nation. Hey, JJ, how are you? Hey, Evan, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Uh, I know you've been working a lot with the young guys. I know you have expectations for Isaac and Evan, but when it comes to some of the undrafted guys and people who are maybe, you know, scrapping to get into the league or even a training camp invite, what advice have you given them so far? Say that one more time, Evan. I'm sorry you were oh. uh, you were cutting in and out. I'm sorry. No, no worries. Uh, the guys who are might have gone undrafted, who are fighting to get into the league and even a training camp invite, what advice have you given them so far just for now and the upcoming experience in Vegas? Right. Um, well, those guys have been, um, you know, outside of our, our roster guys, the guys that we have here in camp. Um, the one thing that I will applaud them on is uh, they are pros, right? They've come in, they're in shape. Uh, nobody's dragging out there, which is awesome, which means that they've done the first thing um, and, and no one had to ask them to do it. They did what they were supposed to do and coming in uh, in shape. Uh, I mentioned earlier about opportunity. Uh, this is an opportunity for, for those guys to not only uh, be seen by uh, an NBA team, us, but also uh, for the rest of the league. Um, and so uh, I just want them to be able to take advantage of the opportunity that's being given um, I think that's the biggest thing for, for, for that group um, is that they come in, they learn, uh, and then they take advantage of the opportunity that they have. Um, we're certainly understanding of, um, you know, their situations and, and everything like that, but uh, we want to give them the best opportunity to, to, to play uh, in this league and play professional basketball. And so just taking our time, teaching them, uh, coaching them up is, is our main priority. For all the guys, not just that group, but, um, you know, everybody will certainly benefit from that. Chris, man, let's try it again. Can you hear me now? No? Yep, you're good, Chris. Yep. Chris Manning from Dime. Um, you mentioned just how excited you are to get back to summer league. I guess, like, for you having not getting to go last year, obviously for COVID reasons, but what does it mean to you, just a little more detail about, to, to get to go back now? Uh, well, it, it's a it's a wonderful chance um, to see the rest of the league. Uh, obviously, the way this thing works, especially in a COVID season, you don't get a chance to um, mingle, interact with um, many of your friends and coworkers ar around the league. Uh, and so, to to see people um, is going to be exciting. Uh, but also to have the opportunity to grow through the summer uh, is what's most exciting um, from a coach's perspective and an organization perspective. So, not having that last year. Uh, was a little tough. And, and I think, um, you know, I know it'll be hot in Vegas and everything like that, but I think we can uh, not take those things for granted and appreciate the chance that we have to not only get better, but to play basketball throughout the summer. And I know he didn't play like as many minutes as, as Isaac might have last year, but what are you expecting from Lamar Stevens at Summer League now that, you know, he had a little NBA time under his belt now that he's going to get two plays at Summer League this time around? Yeah, no, he, Lamar has shown incredible growth uh, throughout the season. Um, and, and, and obviously throughout the summer, he's been in the gym, he's been working, and he's one of the leaders uh, on this team. I'm, I'm extremely proud of him um, where he started last year, obviously not having a summer league. Um, you know, there were some, there were some struggles uh, early for him in training camp. And to see where he is now, you know, less than a year later is, 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 uh, is really good to see. Um, and he's a leader. On, on this group uh, and we expect him to lead throughout summer league and then also have the confidence and the voice to lead uh, when we start training camp and going into the season. Thanks. Take a few more. Um, Spencer, go ahead. Spencer Davies, basketballnews.com. JJ, good to see you. Um, so, hey, Spencer. So, uh, 
you know, they kind of touched on it already, but with Lamar and with Isaac, uh, not having a summer league last year and now going into it this year, it's backwards. You know, they started playing at the NBA level right away before, um, you know, now they're going into uh, playing against the competition that's not as experienced. So Throw them in the fire, Spencer. Throw them in the fire. That's what I'm saying. Like, but how that dynamic's a little odd uh, to go from the highest level of competition to guys that are fighting to be in the league. So, uh, you know, what is the main takeaway of, of what they can accomplish uh, in this time period? Um, just knowing that they've played against the higher competition and now they're kind of taking it down a notch. Well, I mean, I, I think uh, undoubtedly you're going to see some of the guys that play in summer league, right? We're not, un- the, the summer league situation is not unique to uh, us as a Cavs organization, right? The other teams that we're going to play have guys that are in those positions uh, as well. And so, um, you know, I was talking to someone uh, the other day, this might be the most competitive uh, summer league that we've had just because of um, everything that everyone's gone through over, you know, the past, uh, you know, year, two years. Um, so, uh, there's that, right? So I, I don't think that it's taking the talent down uh, a notch at all. I think there's going to be uh, definitely some some uh, really good talent and rotational players uh, that we see playing in this summer league. Um, but I also think it's an opportunity and a chance for those guys to do something uh, a little bit different, expand their games and, and put into uh, action some of the things that they've been working on in the season. Um, you know, obviously uh, guys like Lamar, guys like Isaac, uh, they play uh, a very important role on, on our team, and, and those guys play important roles throughout the season um, uh, in, in other organizations. But uh, the Summer League provides a chance for them to expand their games um, in, in a situation where, um, you know, there's really no pressure in Summer League. The wins and losses uh, don't matter. I mentioned it earlier. It's all about growth and opportunity. So uh, for them, it's, it's, it's really big. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing um, how they do and, and ultimately how this takes them into training camp. We'll go two more, Marla, then Chris. Yeah, just one quick thing on Chandler Vodron is a Northeast Ohio guy. Just what intrigued you about him? Uh, Chandler's been great, but he's got he's got really good size. Uh, he's really talented with the basketball. Uh, he sees the court. He understands the game. Uh, he makes really good passers. And, and ultimately, uh, he's a guy that you want to take a look at because you believe that he can make uh, other people on the floor better. Uh, and so, you know, we, we feel really fortunate uh, to have him with us throughout summer league and, and, and have, for him to have an opportunity and a chance with us. Um, you know, being being from this area, um, you know, it, it means a lot, uh, not only for him, but 